What's up, everybody? It's Scuba Dubert. Welcome back to Love Music More. I am joined with my good buddy, Hakan of I Don't Speak French, Indie Shake, uh, Swedish Red Elephant, the, the man, the myth, the legend. Great, great buddy. And I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, how's it going, Hakan? How are you? Oh, it's it's great. I'm in the middle of nowhere in the forest. It's beautiful. Uh, yeah, in... Uh, in the south of Sweden, uh, just going for a swim. So it's uh, it's it's as as good as it can be. I love it. I would say. I love it. <laughs> well, um, maybe we should start with the the thing that's in the forefront of everyone's mind. What is your take on Swedish Chef? Because I know you have a good hot take on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's actually like you know the um, the actual sway of the con- like the kind of pre- pre- sort of pron- pronunciation of the actual gibberish uh-huh. is kind of correct in a sense <laughs> but the actual words are just like nah <laughs> <laughs> so but if you would like but if you do, would do like uh, a swedish person talking with an english ac- like trying like a swedish accent for english mm-hmm. uh, it would be something like yes hello uh, this is Håkan from uh, sweden uh so it's kind of the similar <laughs> little, little bouncy. Kind of, yeah, I guess that's where they got it from. But uh, but he's cool. He's cool, yeah. cool in my book. <laughs> cool in your book. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, for uh, sure. Um, so I'm I'm really excited to talk about your musical process, the the music scene that that you've come up in in Sweden, and then also just kind of what has inspired you to take on so many different roles. Um, you, I know that you you play a bunch of different instruments. You make different genres. Um, so let, let's let's start just kind of from the jump. What got you into music? What made you fall in love with it? Well, I kind of fell in love with music like from a really young age. Yeah. Uh, my mom was uh, was really really into music. She was like a hippie in the seventies, like a forefront feminist, you know. Um, uh, so she was a really big inspiration to me. Uh, so she gave me a lot of you know. Beatles and Loving Spoonful and Beach Boys and a lot of those like really cool 60s, 70s bands. Um, so I grew up kind of with those vinyls and stuff. And then from my dad's side, I kind of got, uh, you know, Creedence Clearwater Revival, kind of more like the Southern rock mm-hmm. type thing. And then I have a brother who's nine years older than me, um, who, so basically, when I was a kid, he was just like getting into like the skate scene. Cool, perfect. So you had, like, yeah, you had like the nineties. Like Green Day just dropped Dookie. Yes, you had Mill and Colin, all these bands. So it's kind of the perfect mixing pot for for getting into all these different genres. And um, my parents were always like, "Our kids should play an instrument." Mm-hmm. So, so my brother played piano, and um, I wanted to play piano as well, but my brother was like, "No, no, no! It's I no, called no, dibs. No, I called dibs. Nobody, nobody thinks it's cool with piano. Okay, you okay. Play nice, 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 nice. <laughs> uh, so that's why, so I, I, that's why I got into playing guitar, and cool. then it's sort of just like, I, I always felt like I was kind of uninspired by playing 
other people's songs. Yeah. Yep. I had this kind of innate longing for writing my own stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think my first song I wrote like when I was eight years old or something like that. Really? Uh, That's super early. Yeah. That's awesome. It's cool. I I still have it. It's yeah. Super lame. <laughs> I I don't know. I could see that being a, like. So it's a, like it's like two chords and it's like I hate to love you. Da 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 da. da. It's so good. That's great. That's probably better than uh, mine. Mine was uh, mine was dumb. <laughs> no, 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 for sure. How 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 old were you when you started? Um, I think I wrote my first song when I was like twelve or thirteen. Yeah. Um, but it was bad. It was like called. <laughs> it was like called. Oh, no, I don't even want it. <laughs> it's so bad. What is? But that's kind of process. You need it to is. do bad shit. It's like exactly. Uh, well, that, that then, that's like one of the yeah. things I think people like that are starting out get really intimidated by because they hear like, "Hey, like you know, been writing songs for how long? Have you been writing songs for at this point now?" Uh, I well, I guess it's about <laughs> twenty years. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. hey, maybe don't compare yourself when you're just starting out to somebody that has twenty years of experience. Like, could you oh, imagine no. doing that to any other thing? It's like I'm an engineer and I'm learning how to like build roads or something, and I'm going to compare myself to somebody with twenty years of experience doing that. No, it's, it's, it's like that's it's ridiculous. Like just, yeah, and I think like you know, with modern technology and kind yeah. of everyone being so connected, it's yeah. so hard to to kind of fail without okay. getting such a flack for it. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember growing up, like, before cell phones. Yes. Like, or like before, like, smartphones. Like, uh-huh. And, you know, you could play, like, a really shitty show at, like, a local establishment. That's a good point. And there would be, like, five friends, and nobody would care because, yeah. like, nobody had access to the internet, you uh-huh. know? Uh-huh. It was, like, just, like... But nowadays, like, if you do, like, a show as a kid, somebody's going to post it on TikTok, and yeah. they're going to make fun of you. And it's, yeah. like, it's a much harsher kind of reality, I think. Yeah, I agree. And that's, yeah. I agree. So, yeah, I, I, so that's kind of where I started out. Yeah. Um, and then I got, like, so then I got really into, like, punk rock. Cool. And hardcore. So mm-hmm. I played, like, straight-edge hardcore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I played in a rap metal band. <laughs> Wait, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, I, I, I played That's in awesome. a rap metal band for like six years. That's awesome. Um, what was what did you what did you play? Were you playing guitar? Were you singing or? I was rapping. Rapping. And, and playing guitar. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it, That's so cool. I, I can send you a link later. Yeah, I, dude. It's totally. Actually, it's like the music video is still on on YouTube. I think. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, if you if you're feeling bold, I can drop the link in the description. But oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. That, so check the I'm, description. I'm, I'm, I'm game. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, uh, and and then kind of I was always kind of just looking for the next kind of thing to inspire the next mm-hmm. kind of. So I was like borrowing records, kind of just whatever I could find, every genre, um, and then I like worked just like kind of mowing grass and I started my own studio when I was 15 in my parents like garage and I would record all my friends for free and um, I kind of 
found this passion for producing stuff and mm -hmm. recording stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's kind of then just kind of snowballed. Right. And then just keep going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's so good. That's yeah, so good. yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's it. <laughs> what uh, what inspired you on like the electronic side? What what kind of made you get into um, like dance music and and I don't know, want to explore that genre as well? Well, that's kind of a funny story because yeah. I was actually I actually hated dance music. Perfect. So so when it first came out, you know, when Avicii got big, uh -huh. you know, like when Swedish dance music, Swedish EDM was really really getting big. Yep. Like me and uh, my my partner in crime, Luis, we were like hating on EDM mm -hmm. because we were like indie kids. We came totally. from DIY scene. We came from punk. Yeah. We're just like EDM is such a shitty genre, but they're like they don't know what they're doing. It's just like, and then we just kind of kind of fell into doing top lines. Because cool. someone was yeah. asking us, yeah. Like, so what what is a top line? A top what, how, how does that work? Just for listeners that might not know, know what that term is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like a top line is basically you have two parts of a song. You have the instrumental, like the the music, and you have the top line, which is the vocal melody and the lyrics and the vocal take. And so it's basically the two parts of a song: the instrumental and the top line. So. In electronic dance music, it's usually um, a lot of the producers and the DJs, uh, they do their instrumentals and productions, and then they look for someone to do the top line. And the top liner is often someone who's, yeah, like an indie artist or right. like somebody totally. who's a bit more non-mainstream, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's kind of why we fell into that hole. And then it just kind of i just kind of you know you start working with it you kind of fall in love with it you kind of fall in love with the different intricate parts and you and you find the craft in it and yes. like yeah how, how somebody just spends hours getting like the perfect like amount of bass and like punch in the kick drum mm -hmm. and to really make the, like the club go wild and it's yeah so I, I guess that's kind of why cool. we kind of fell in love with it. Yeah. No, it's it's funny. It's funny how like relationships with genres can change over time. Like I mean, yeah, for sure. Like I got into music school and I did not like jazz because the jazz kids were mean, and you know, yeah. And so I was just like, I don't like this genre. And then like now I'm obsessed. But it's it like it had this different color of like you know, how I felt about myself versus how they, the, the like vibes that they put off. Um, and I, I, I could, I see that sometimes with like music and identity, especially like, you know, traditionally like punk hates disco and disco is like the evolution EDM kind of evolves from disco and, you know, punk and turns into hardcore and post hardcore and like naturally are at odds. But now that's all kind of broken down, which I think is for the yeah. better. Cause like, how boring would that be if you only listen to like one genre your entire life? You like change as a person, but you yeah. like identify as only this genre. Yeah, I think like it's so like limiting to 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 do genres, and that's kind of uh, why I started. I don't speak French as mm -hmm. well. It was cool. just kind of because I felt limited by by the bands I were in at the time. Yeah, they were kind of very boxed in, and mm -hmm. you would be like, "Oh, we need to play strictly punk or strictly this." Yeah. And you just want to do music that's kind of boundary boundaryless, yes. and 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 yeah, I totally agree. I think like 
And I, I, I totally resonate with that story about like the jazz kids being mean. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. I remember that from music school as well. Like yeah. all the all the guys who played like the Rosanna mm. drum beat. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And they're like, oh, yeah, that dude can play drums. And you're like, eh, all right. <laughs> yeah it's a uh it's a weird world yeah yeah sure but it it mellows out it's it it i feel like part of it too is everyone's just trying to kind of like find their way so they're they're emulating the other people you know like how like whiplash that movie was it's like oh it's so good (laughs) i love whiplash it's It's really good it's like it's such a great film totally but it's like yeah because i think like that's kind of the fun part about like music nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's it feels much more boundaryless, as you say. It's much more like melting pot. You have like yeah. genres like hyper pop and yeah. like every day I feel like I'm checking Spotify or or whatever and I find like a band kind of breaking the boundaries of mm-hmm. of like genre I've I've heard before and I'm like yeah. shit, this is super cool. It is. It's uh yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a really interesting sonically sonically interest, interesting time we live in. I agree. And I, I think part of it's the it's like the medium. Like, you know, I'm getting all those like weird Spotify for you playlists that are like mm-hmm. late night sad but driving. And like, okay, that's you know, like that's technically I guess that's a genre now because if you yeah. make music that's like, I don't know, I can feel it coming in the air tonight, Phil Collins kind of beat. It's like that's yeah. that's kind of that. So it's like, okay somewhere loosely associated with that feeling that je ne sais quoi that to speak French. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's like more, it's, it's, yeah it's like more a mood than an actual genre right right which is a it's a feeling yeah and, it, and it's that's a freeing thing i think to to write to um particularly for people that have done film and tv so i want to talk to you a little bit about that like um yeah. you know commercial work um scoring and stuff because I think a lot of that is is an interesting parallel to the way that um, you know pop music has evolved. Where yeah, um, so I'd I'd love to get your take on just kind of what that what that process is like, how you how you experience that, and then how maybe that has informed some of the pop music that's you know obviously is more on the creative and fulfilling side yeah. of it. Like one, they seem to talk to each other a little bit. So I'm just I'm just curious your take. Yeah, I would agree. And I think like commercials is actually a pretty interesting subject because mm-hmm. like there is um I always tell people like when they when they talk about commercial and commercial songs and stuff like that, I, I like, well, have you seen a car commercial that has like a commercial song? Yeah. Have you ever seen a car commercial with a commercial song? No. Mm-hmm. Like because all these brands are looking for stuff that is like pushing the envelope sounding like interesting yeah. sonically like a lot of really cool indie bands mm-hmm. i've found for like commercials for sure and i think that's kind of a really really nice kind of uh symbiotic relationship yeah where, where like these big co- corporations kind of enjoy <laughs> taking the tiny indie artist and being like oh here you go here's some money <laughs> Uh, we like your song. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's. Uh, I think it's really, really interesting, and it's kind of, it's kind of interesting how it's become that because if you look at like historically, yep. you have like going from like the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, you have these kind of 
written for TV music. And then it kind of evolved into, I don't know why, but it kind of evolved into, I think it's kind of, you have such a short time period for selling something. Mm -hmm. So you want to have something that's sonically interesting as well. Yes. And like of that, of that moment, like that thing that feels like 2023. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, if you just get something that's just, I don't know, like a stock library or a composer that's, you know, focused on underscore and stuff like that, then I don't think you get as much like the soul of that moment as somebody that's making it. No. Yeah. I think a perfect example of that is, yeah. uh, and like one of the first examples I remember kind of visually mm-hmm. is, I don't, I think it's a Samsung ad maybe, or if it's like, a, but it's like a, a thousand, a hundred thousand like uh, bouncy balls bouncing down. Oh, I, uh, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, San Francisco. Uh-huh. You, you uh-huh. remember that? I remember that one, yeah. And it's like, um, it's like that Swedish um, singer-songwriter, uh, Jose Gonzalez. Mm. I think it's like heartbeats, his mm. cover of the knife. Mm. Uh, I think it's that song. I'm, I'm, I'm no, totally don't right. quote me. Uh, I, I will. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I just remember that so vividly being such a defining kind of, Oh, this is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that is, is something to be said for that. Like, if an ad, if you kind of remember an ad 15 years later and being like, Oh, you kind of succeeded. <laughs> totally, no, totally. And it, it was—it's actually funny because I, I was just joking about the "I can feel it coming in the air tonight." Um, yeah, that—that that was kind of like a moment I think that that pulled pop music deeper into the like relationship. I know, obviously, that was in a in a movie, or yeah. not in a movie, in a TV show. But um, yeah. but like those those feelings. I think maybe it was like the '80s where you know you got like. Top Gun and all these different things that are, are like Footloose or whatever that are pulling in pop music and yeah. um, relating them. Saturday Night Fever with the the Bee Gees, like all of that starts getting closer and closer and closer. And then like you're saying, like phone commercials, like Apple and Samsung yeah. and stuff. And now it's now this is like a discovery vehicle because now we can Shazam stuff, and that kind yeah. of opens it wide up. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's it kind of gets like a competition almost. Yeah, where like companies wanna be like the the new curator yeah, kind of the new right. and the music supervisors are just like yeah yeah it's 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 they 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 are the new playlist yeah <laughs> no, playlist exactly well, they're, they're one of the few people that actually have like a broadcasting platform like yeah like yeah for sure you can get the word out it's like we don't have like the ed sullivan show or something to like <laughs> no. you know like there's like saturday night live but it's not nearly even at the scale that it used to be like you know there's there's just less places to just blast it out commercials are one of the best ways because they're across platforms they're you know on hulu they're on uh you know like on yeah. broadcast tv and they're everywhere yeah uh, like i remember you you got like um was it you got a commercial for <laughs> It was like a beer, yeah, beer brand, right? Yeah, Coors Coors Light, which is an American beer. Ah, right, Coors Light. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's an American brand, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, I yeah. suck at those. But, no, totally. Uh, so Coors, a a Coors foreign Light. imported beer, Coors Light. <laughs> Sweet. It's probably it would be expensive actually to drink that uh, <laughs> that standard beer in Europe. <laughs> so, so was was Coors Light the brand yeah. who was in the controversy recently? No, no, that was a different one. That was a uh, Bud Light. All right. 
All right, all right, but like, all right. Or controversy, it depends on how you see it. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Well, either way, I think it's a controversy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, did they uh, yeah. did they overdo it or did they uh, <laughs> over-respond? I think regardless yeah. of how you feel, either way, you're mad. Yeah. So, yeah. so but how, how did you feel like when, mm-hmm. when you got the news? Like when you first got the news for like, oh, you're, you're like Sam called you and you're, hey, yeah. dude, we're going to do this. It was uh, the both of us, I think, weren't sure if it was real. You know, because like you get an Instagram DM that's like, hey, I want to give you money. Like, okay, yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, but, yeah. uh, you know, it wasn't real until the the, the check cleared. And um, at that moment, it was like, okay, now I think we've uh, we've entered a new <laughs> phase of this becoming an actual career. And, um, yeah. and it, it was interesting, too, because it was, you know, you're trying to figure out like, okay, is this going to be the game changer, like that a bunch of people will hear it. Uh, but it ended yeah. up being regionally locked to only canada so i got some more canadian fans but it wasn't didn't end up being like this global campaign but the money ended up you know i was able to buy this laptop which made my music production so much faster and so now that's part of the reason why i'm able to make more music is because of that the opportunity but yeah i mean like that that's the thing to look out for is when you have something that not only pays you but also is that broadcast vehicle um that like takes you to that exposure level yeah, and I think like because when you talk to a lot of young indie bands, they're yeah. kind of hesitant mm-hmm. towards it. Yeah, they're kind of like, oh, I don't want to be like a sellout or something like yeah, that. But totally. it's it's I, I I kind of I get that, but I think it's it's such an important vehicle for for indie music. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's when it comes down to it, like nobody cares if you sell out a little bit. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, there there are different degrees of selling out, right? Like having somebody pay you to put your commercial with or put your song in their commercial. You're not really, I don't know, it's that's like one level. And then there's another level where it's like, hey, can you change all of the lyrics and make them about exactly. like my right. chocolate brand? It's like, okay, that's yeah. that's a different degree of selling out. Yeah, that's a different that's a different kind of kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, right. But then again, I've got my price. <laughs> yeah. For, all right. So, if it's, if it's, okay. I'll I'll write down a number. And you tell <laughs> exactly. Me exactly. Uh, we'll see how close we get. Yeah. But like, uh, but but like, also thinking about what it is in service for. So, if you like, one the thing that I want to do is I want to only make music. I'm not there yet, but that's my north star because I know that if I can get there, everything else can get better, and then I can have more impact in the world. And so it's like in yeah. order to get there, if I you know, if I gotta sell out a little bit, um, it, it's okay because that the net result will be more music in the world and more imprint of like what I do on the community and on the industry and yeah. the the global sound and all that kind of stuff. So um, that that's maybe just my way of justifying it, but I, I don't I don't know I don't feel morally icky about it. Maybe if it was the wrong no, company, I no. might, but you know. Yeah, I think like there's always like this moral line, and it's yeah. Uh, you can always say no, like if it's yeah, exactly. If it's you can not always say no. Thing. Yep. Um, but like, I like I do sometimes. I do like um, small like uh, talks in like mm-hmm. schools and stuff. Cool. And I always the thing I always talk about is people always assume like if you're not like able to fully support yourself, yeah, uh, for your music you're you you have failed in a right. sense yeah. there's like this 
this kind of picture of, oh you're you're working an extra job uh-huh. you're like doing this and whatever yep. yep and i i feel like that is such a a false image and it's mm-hmm. such a bad image to project to people yep. because like i like for the last i think it's like 5 years now mm-hmm. i've been able to fully support myself on my music but there was like 6 years before that when I was working professionally and I could sustain myself about 50%. Yeah. So I only had to work 50% another job. And then I worked 50% with my music. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was like a time before that when I had to work <laughs> like 100% so, another job. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm so proud of those years. Yeah. I'm so proud of, of kind of digging down, doing the dog years, kind of mm-hmm. just like, sticking around because so much of actually succeeding with music mm-hmm. is just you know pure pure just doing it yes because so many people are just like oh i released a song it didn't go well uh mm-hmm. and you just you just have to get at it. just okay your song flopped do another song mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. so this didn't work now try something else you know it's it's always like that and you just it's you can't be you shouldn't be ashamed of of having an extra job. You should be super proud of it because it's 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 always going to be something that humbles you and keeps you close to to what actually matters. And it's going to be the thing that keeps you once you actually get there where you're able to sustain yourself, you're going to be like, damn, I used to be this and now I'm yeah. able to do this full time. Yes. And I I wake up every day and I'm like, so thankful for being like able to spend time with my son being able to go down to the studio have a cup of coffee you know it's it's like and it's because if i just gotten it mm-hmm. from the get-go i wouldn't like appreciate it agreed so i i think like get the stigma way of like being ashamed of having another job you shouldn't like that was, it's, that was beautifully said. And then, uh, you know, listeners, this is this is part of the reason why I, I love this guy so much. He's he's you just you just have the right energy and perspective and focus. And I knew it from the first time we wrote together. It's like, damn, this dude, like, <laughs> we get each other. This is great. Well, <laughs> so I'm so same, glad that we're same, same, that, that, uh, that's exactly mutual. it. That's exactly it. I mean, I like I I work. 40 hours a week doing doing my my full-time job and I woke up at 5 a.m. yesterday and I worked on music for three and a half hours and then I drove to the office yeah. came back worked on music again and yeah. it was super tiring but I swear there's an energy that you end up putting into that music it's like that fu energy of like I, I'm getting out of here yeah. no matter what yeah. it takes yeah. like, like this is in it and it's you're you're breathing that life into that and um yeah i don't know there and i also think that it helps you like like you just sent me a, a sick demo of a, a, a tune <laughs> and i write songs like this too where it's like talking about that like that push pull of capitalism and and kind mm-hmm. of like feeling like you're a cog in a machine and wanting to break out and i think that there's something important as an artist to have felt that and understand that yeah because then you can relate to people on a deeper level that are going through the same thing. We're all feeling that and, uh, yeah. and writing tunes to that effect, putting that kind of energy into your tunes and also ending up being on the other side and having that gratitude. Um, yeah, I think that's all. I agree. It's super important. 
super important. Yeah, and it's like, and it's so much like because, like, all the best songs are always written in like just before bed, and you kind of yes. get like this yes. idea, and you say, "I oh wait, I need to." Uh, and you're just <laughs> yeah, like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm gonna. You're like made a keyboard, and you're just like <laughs> whispering into the mic. Yes. Yes. And then you wake up in the morning, and you're just like, "Oh, I need to do this." Yeah. And it's like that feeling is and you just spend all day at work just like mm-hmm. thinking about when you come home oh, oh i'm gonna do this i'm gonna add that i'm gonna do that and it's yeah it's it's a and, and it's it just humbles you with like mm-hmm. with your whole whole being it does i I, it does. I think yeah and and it gives you something to help pull you through like i even felt that way at school where you know i'd be in a boring math class or something and there'd be part of me that'd be like visualizing the guitar fretboard or being like, you know, I just learned what the modes are. So I'm like writing down the name of all of the, the Greek modes. Um, even though I you know, barely ever have to say those words now, but in my head, I was like, Oh, if I'm going to be a professional musician, I, I better know that Phrygian is all about the flat two and like, you know, all this crap that's like, nobody cares. But, um, back then, you know, it kept, it pulled, helped pull me through high school. Cause I had like a North star. I had a thing that I wanted to be and become. Yeah, and I, I remember I was the same in school, and I remember just like every I don't know if you have it in like um, in 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 the United States, but in Sweden we have like like uh, student reviews basically. What is that? So what that so you meet the teacher like once or twice, like twice a year. You meet the okay. teacher with your parents. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, we have we have we have yeah. this like once a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and you talk about oh this is going well, this is good, mm-hmm. and like every like every meeting for the whole of my like student years all my teacher would say like yeah he's a, he's a nice guy he 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 does well like but he's he's a bit distracted and he's like a bit <laughs> absent-minded and kind of not there sometimes <laughs> and i would hear that from like like you know first grade until mm-hmm. i graduated it was just like <laughs> and and i think it's just like everyone like because we're always we're we're, we're thinking about mm-hmm. uh a dream you know we're mm-hmm. we're thinking about the creative kind of essence of everything and yeah. just like oh right math <laughs> but <Yeah>. oh wait <laughs> totally. no i know I, but, I yeah but it's 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 really uh it's it's a beautiful thing for sure it is it is a beautiful thing I, i'm i'm curious about uh the cultural impact of a band like ABBA. Oh, uh, for sure. In your country and growing well, up as being a musician and all that kind of stuff. Like what's, what's it like over there? Cause obviously they're a huge band in the United States too, but it's gotta be yeah. a different scale. Well, I would say like ABBA was the first kind of uh, Swedish sound where, where it like kind of gave the world kind of the Swedish okay. way of doing music. Yeah. And it kind of set the tone for a lot of future stuff. So mm-hmm. we have, because that's kind of the thing where you, when you grow up in Sweden, we're we're a tiny country. We're we're like, well, now we're ten million, which is yeah. the size of uh, Tokyo. Yeah, right. I feel like the LA County is around t- ten million. LA County yeah. population. Yeah, nine point eight three million yeah yeah so you're like the size and of LA. Have, and you know like spotify <laughs> yeah uh it's swedish soundcloud is swedish uh sky is swedish oh cool uh, uh i should have i should have skyped you instead of zoomed you 
Title, title too. I just got my uh, my title artist uh, profile, whatever. I'm sending that up to you. Oh, dope, yeah, dope. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, it's it's you know like or or the the yeah wimp that was called before it went title. So it's called wimp. Yeah. So it's wimp, and it was like a Norwegian Swedish company. Okay. And JC bought it and uh-huh. fired everyone. <laughs> And took the technology, so yeah. So it's not not a, a super nice story, but but it's kind of <laughs> those kind of those kind of companies, and you know yeah. those kind of the same with music. You have like a lot of you have Robin, and you have um, Max Martin, and like um, the Hives, and ABBA, and Avicii, and you have so many like artists kind of pushing the envelope, yeah, and and getting huge. Yes, and, like you have Sarah oh, yeah. Larson, you know, Tuvalu. Yeah. There are so many. Mm-hmm. Um, red one, like who mm-hmm. did all like Lady, La- Gaga, Lady Gaga's yeah. first like hits, right? Um, and and you're kind of so all these people are kind of showing you it's possible. Cool. So yeah. So that's kind of it. It gives you this kind of stage where okay, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if I'm from this small country. Like there is like this, just go do it. Mm-hmm. But it's also weird because at the same time, Swedish people are very, we don't like to brag. We hate to brag. And it's kind of seen as a almost a, a ugly thing to okay. to brag. Yeah, yeah. It's called, uh, in, we have a term for it called jantelag. Okay. That's so cool. it's basically you like you don't, for... you don't brag about your accomplishments. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and sometimes I get annoyed by it uh-huh. because... I feel like you should be allowed to be proud of your accomplishments, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's also kind of the reason I think why Swedish people are successful mm. uh, in in those fields because it's just kind of well, like there's a story about how when Mar- Max Martin got one of his biggest hits, mm-hmm. and he was in LA, and they were like, "Oh, for once, let's like go out and celebrate." And they like the the record label got them a limo, and they went to like some bar, and they ordered champagne, and they just like sat in a corner drinking champagne, <laughs> and they were like, "Can we go back to the studio now?" Yes. And, and so a lot of Swedish people are like that because yeah. we we grow up in like the darkness and like the cold. <laughs> and it's just like. We just want to sit in a in a warm room, yeah. like doing music and That's just do the work. Music. Yes, yes, yeah. That's great. Uh, and I also think, like, yeah. uh, more than so than ABBA, mm-hmm. you have something called in Sweden. It's only in Sweden, actually. Um, well, there are versions of it in Norway as well, but it's very unique to our country. It's called studios study associations. Okay. So what it is is basically. If you imagine like a state-funded uh, school, in okay. a sense, uh huh, uh huh. So uh, you you start what is called like a circle, a study circle, mm-hmm. and you get money from the state. Okay. To do a study circle, and uh-huh. and you can study about just about anything. You can study how to cool. knit. You can study how to um, play guitar. How oh. to and it's, and you just need like two friends. That's yeah. all you need. Yeah. And a lot of these study associations, uh, 
take the money from the state and make sure that there are rehearsal spaces and uh, um, yeah, like they set up shows for younger bands uh, and stuff like that. So if you're like a young band growing up, you can get a rehearsal space for like $50 a month. Wow. Dang. Uh, And you get like- It's like $50 an hour here. (laughs) Yeah. You get to borrow free instruments. Man. Yeah. So it's it's a kind of unique system. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, if you talk to any Swedish musician, Mm -hmm they'll say like, yeah, I grew up playing in like a study association rehearsal space because we all did. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I think that is also kind of a yeah. perspective yeah. at all. So it's, yeah. No, totally. I mean, in the United States, it's like, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of also, that's also kind of why you're successful as well. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's kind of it's driving a, it. It is a different, I mean, like the, but it's it's funny because the study circle idea. Uh, I, I've I have some Canadian friends that have um, you know state funding for tour support or music mm. videos. They have like this cultural like council kind of thing that supports popular yeah, music. We have that too. In the U.S., we're pretty much. I mean, like we have some stuff for. Um, we have a bunch of stuff for music education um, now. Um, that's part of what I do for my day job. Actually, um, is mm-hmm. is try to get more money for that, but. Um, that helps people, you know, up until they graduate. But then after they graduate, um, we do like some grants for like blues, traditional music, jazz, um, but it's not very robust. Yeah. My Canadian bands, they'll they'll like have you know a small following, and they'll be touring like fifty dates. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's an amazing, yeah. but it's super cool because it's like hey, pop music is cultural music too. Um, yeah. investing in that invests in your culture and, and tells your story. I mean, K-pop doesn't exist without the South Korean government investing in it. Exactly. You know? It's, it's, and it's, it's such a big part of like our, our culture. Yeah. Like our yeah. music is such a big, so, and, and like I, now I just mentioned like a lot of pop producers, but you have so much like on the metal and hard rock side and yes. the punk side. Yes. Yes. Like how so like true. the whole whole death metal scene right. that basically came from Gothenburg and Stockholm. It's yeah. uh yeah. It's it's yeah, it's a weird country. It sounds awesome and I really want to come visit. <laughs> well, you're you're very much welcome. And you've you've told me about all these sweet uh what was it? You had like a New Year's kind of drinks or, or Christmas certain kind of drinks and stuff that I want yeah, to try. Yeah, you'd must. Yes. <laughs> gotta get on some of that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Fun. Must is it's a must. Yeah, it's a must. Yeah, <laughs> I'm here for some must. Um, yeah, dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I would love to um, kind of ask you a little bit more about your project because I just personally have some questions. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. In terms of you have all these great musicians that you work with. Um, is do you view your project kind of like this, like collective? Are you pulling people in and out? Is this uh, like are there studio musicians that come in and out, or how did you connect with all of these people? How are you getting you know these awesome drummers to come in, and and how did you how did you build this? And it because it, it has a very interesting kind of flavor um, to your band. Well, well, it's, well, it's kind of it's kind of where you you find people you, who you resonate with, and you yeah. kind of. Yeah, you start kind of small. You do like you mm-hmm. just hang out and you do stuff, and 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 it all. I think it all comes down to just being open to to kind of letting people in and sharing okay. and being that sort of where 
there is like I, I'm I'm full of anecdotes, but there is yeah. like the story about uh, a really big Swedish artist, and um, he he wrote like all the music in the band, and he did everything. And they were sitting at the back of the tour bus, and they got like their um, receipts for you know ASCAP sort of thing. Mm. And and he would like, oh, I got like two million grand, and and the rest of the band would be like, oh, I got. 2000 you know? <laughs> yeah yeah and it would be like this really kind of bad vibe you yeah know? totally totally uh, and and <laughs> like there are situations where, where it's supposed to be like but if mm-hmm. you're like a banner and it's like and it doesn't have to be like but you, you should always be like open to other people's kind of ideas like mm-hmm. i have this kind of way of thinking where my idea isn't always the best idea mm-hmm like mm-hmm. e- even if I'm like super set on an, an idea, I'm like, oh, this is such an, a great an idea. If like Louise, for example, comes in and like, yeah. oh, but you should do like this, mm-hmm. I'll always try it. Mm-hmm. I'll always mm-hmm. like give it a few days or like a thought, mm-hmm. um, so you don't close your mind to it. Cool. Yeah. So so I we kind of built this collective of just being like super open and being like, oh, so. You wanna you wanna do this and and just make sure that everyone gets a cut and everyone is included and everyone is like and and people just like join in and want to do it because it's fun and it's and it's like um, yeah so I, I think it's it's just kind of sharing mentality I guess I like that that's a that's a great kind of mentality to bring to creative endeavors music otherwise is like you have you have an idea and that's your nugget but then other people can have this other idea and like being open to exploring stuff but also confident to like know what's a good idea is a is a delicate yeah. balance but i think that's super important yeah for sure so like you shouldn't like abandon your own ideas but like you should at least give other people's ideas a, sh- a shot yeah i feel yeah. like especially with you know guys mm-hmm. uh when it comes to like female guy structure mm-hmm. and especially when you're in like sessions mm-hmm. there's especially with producers mm-hmm. and that's kind of why i enjoyed working with you as well because it's you meet a lot of producers and it's like you you, you shout out something you're like mm-hmm. oh we should try this mm-hmm. and they're so set in stone on their own vision yeah that they aren't even connecting with your vision mm-hmm. so they're just like oh yeah for sure dude and then they program something completely different mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And you just that, then you just end up with bad, you know, yeah. bad feels and bad vibes, yeah. and 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 you don't want to do a collab with them again. Like, uh-huh. It's it's yeah, yeah, I get it, sure. totally. <laughs> well, so you should always be like, you should you should always be open to it, and 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 I think that's kind of uh, because if you succeed, if you succeed, and you get to this point where you're you're making it, mm-hmm. you want to bring the people along who you trust and who supported you and who knows you Mm -hmm. because i feel like that is such that is such the issue with when it comes to big artists Mm -hmm. it's always like they're so alone they're always like yeah they've always when you like read interviews and stuff they're always talking about how they feel so disconnected and alone Mm -hmm. because they have no one like who who 
knows them truly. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I feel like that's an important part because if you, if you make it, you want to have people you trust. Absolutely. And you want to, I don't know, I think you and I are similar in the idea of like, we want to make it as a community rather than just as an individual. Um, yeah. It'd be way less lonely, way more fun, and yeah. way bigger opportunity for impact. Yeah, for sure. You know, if you it, like, because you know how like there's like these music scenes that like, you know, CBGV, like there's like this yeah. or a Sunset Strip or like Seattle, like you have these like things that coalesce and become sounds. I think we have yeah. the opportunity to do that, but cross geographic, like landscape, yeah, like, sure. irrespective of where we yeah. actually live. Um, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's just yeah. like, I think COVID, if it did anything that's actually good, mm -hmm. It showed people it's possible to to do the thing we do yeah. across borders. Yeah. With, with just like with just a computer and and the screen, mm -hmm. and and I think that's really a beautiful, good thing for to come from COVID. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as, as you said, like I I think like you and Sam, what you're doing, it's kind of the same. You're mm -hmm. you have your little your little bubble yeah. of, of someone you trust, and you have like. A, this kind of little collective of artists and people and it's it's i think it's i think it's a really really good way of doing stuff thank you and i actually i'd love to talk to you a little bit uh on indie shake and kind of what you're doing on kind of the label and and promo side growing that network um you've sent me some really really cool artists that i i look forward to working with in some capacity in the future too um how do you go about kind of discovery growing that network welcoming people in i love the kind of grassroots homey nature that you've been doing it it isn't mm -hmm. it hasn't felt so much like a hey i'm a label here's a contract sign it and i'll get back to you kind of you know it's it's bucking yeah. that old old style of doing things so i'd love to hear about kind of what you're doing there well i think uh, well it it started out with we got this really big sync placement with samsung and we got a shit ton of money uh, <laughs> yeah yeah for sure it was it was a lot of money and awesome. it was, I remember so getting the call. I just cried. Yeah. Uh, I cried and cried and cried. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, it was really a big moment. Yeah. But because we had like this background with doing top lines and we worked with, you know, labels such as Universal and Sony and Warner and Spinning Records and all these giant labels, mm -hmm. what we kind of discovered was like, they suck. Mm. They they really really suck mm. because they spend so much money on basically nothing, and you would like you would release a song and you would get like ten million streams, mm -hmm. and you would get the royalty statement and you would be like, oh, a hundred bucks, mm -hmm. because they would like spend you know three grand on blah and yeah. free grand on blah and yeah. blah and and it would just be like this big bloated creature mm. so we were like well let's do it ourselves mm -hmm. and we had um a friend who had, had worked like with big artists in the edm industry but who was like an indie at heart mm -hmm. and so he joined for the ride and then we joined some other people and yeah and it was just kind of we had so many friends and people who we thought were so talented and did such amazing music. And we're like, oh, we actually have the ability to take a bit of this money mm. 
and invested into cool. building our own label, building our own kind of collective. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we did. Um, so we basically did like a contract that is everything that we, the opposite of everything we dislike. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, so for example, like there is a clause in our contract where we are not allowed to spend uh, above 250 euros mm-hmm. without asking the artist. Cool. So we can spend like 250 euros on on ads or whatever. Yeah, you're right. But anything above that, we have to ask the artist. Mm-hmm. So the artist has the like ownership of their own royalties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that's it's a very like disheartening feeling, you know, when yeah. when you have a song that's really successful and by like indie means it's very mm-hmm. successful right. and 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 you see someone else just throwing your money away. It's, yeah. Yeah. it feels shitty. <laughs> of course, know? totally. And, uh, but there are a lot of like, so actually inspiration for it came from a lot of like smaller EDM labels, okay. such as like Suave, mm-hmm. uh, which were doing like single releases. And they were doing like this sort of very, very like small structure, easy contracts, cool. low cost, mm-hmm. high royalty mm-hmm. payout. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we want to do. And also, all of our contracts are song by song basis. Mm. So we don't sign artists for like oh ten years or two records. Yeah, we sign them for each song. Cool, neat. So they're always they always have the uh, the opportunity to jump boat. <laughs> yeah, jump right. Ship. right. Yeah, uh, cool. and and like that's really bad business. It's mm-hmm. super bad business. Yeah. Like yeah. It, on paper, it's stupid as all hell. Yep. But in reality, it's really good because mm-hmm. people stay mm-hmm. and people want to work with you and people actually, you actually have a real connection with people and a real like, they're not just like a number, you know? Yes. Yes. I, in one, so of, I think, yeah. in one of my, my business classes on this, on the same kind of topic, um, I, uh, uh, entrepreneur came into our class and in San Diego, we're, um, we used to be at least where I kind of grew up, we used to be like the flower capital of the United States. Like we grew all the flowers. Um, and then it's coastal California. So obviously that doesn't really make sense to do anymore because everyone wants to live here. And so the, as the property values go up, all of these people that were growing all these flowers and it's like beautiful coastal communities, like crap, what do we do? Um, this entrepreneur was the like first guy to go down to South America. Uh, I think it was like Peru or something. And he met these people who were growing flowers and a really high quality down there. And he figured out a way to basically put them on a boat and, and ship them up. And they just had a handshake deal because they got on so well, they got along. He really liked this guy. He spoke some Spanish, he spoke some English and they, they figured it out. And now he's like one of the top uh, importers of flowers in the entire United States is in Costco and all these like Walmarts, all this stuff. And I asked him like, how did you end up structuring the deal later? He said, I didn't, he just kept it on the handshake. They said, yeah, we'll cut this percent. We'll cut this percent handshake, no papers. They, but they just, they were cool. They just were cool and it worked out. And so I think that like, there are some things that don't make sense on the business perspective, but if you have the right relationships and the right people, 
all that stuff's just to sue each other. That's really what those papers are there for. And, uh, or to, or to outline a, a deal so that you're like on the same page that, you know, yeah. um, but beyond that, it's, it's like, you're, you're, you're kind of using it to protect yourselves. But if yeah. you have such a tight relationship, you'll want to grow together. And if all of a sudden you're the weekend or something, it makes the most sense to bring up the people that you trust, the community that, yeah. that built that built you, and um, and then you all you all win, you know, like that. I think there there's just something special about it, and I it I think it threatens the corporate um, hierarchy. Like I've seen it with LeBron, because he he came up with you know one of his his friends from like childhood friends, and now he started a sports agency. He's you know. Um, he and so there was a lot of pushback, a lot of negative PR. Like, who is this guy? Why? And now he's arguably one of the top agents. But he came up with the people that he trusted. He built them up too, and um, they had significant anti PR. They didn't like it necessarily in yeah. the establishment, but it worked. Yeah. It worked. And yeah, for sure. And and yeah, and I I think like I think you and Sam are. With uh, with the former, I think mm-hmm. like it's it's kind of the same mm-hmm. mentality and same thing. It's relationship based. Yep. And I think that's kind of the future of the music industry in general, mm-hmm. because a lot of because a lot of bands don't want to sign to a label. Yeah. Yeah. Because there isn't a point to it. Uh huh. Anymore, yeah. it's just like you can do it yourself, and it's true. You can do it yourself. Yep. But the, there's a key. Thing that I think that the DIY misses is that it's so okay. There's a saying: uh, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, yeah. go together. Yeah, you can do both, and that's that's what I yes. what we're trying to do with me and performer and my own personal music is that I can make music all on my own, and so I can go really fast. But yeah. I couldn't go very far because I wouldn't have anybody hyping me up, keeping me accountable, saying this song works. Yeah. This is what you should keep do- going like. You know, that constant interaction of like, I'm not just making for myself, I'm making for the team, like we're all doing this together. That kind of energy is what keeps you going. And yeah, I'm, sure. it's like, it's like, I, I've never been able to work out to like look sexy or something like I, it's like, that's too selfish. But if I work yeah. out in order to hike a mountain with my friends yeah. and I don't want to yeah. slow them down. So I got to be able to, to like have good fitness so I can get up the mountain with them or help them. If there's an emergency, I could carry them on my back or something like that. Totally different motivation structure. And that one works for me. Just like, oh, I got to lose weight. So I've got like abs. It's like, I don't care, man. It just doesn't do it. It just doesn't do it. Yeah. I think that's a really, really nice way of putting it. It really, it really summarizes in a very, very good way. Yeah. I, I think that's, yeah, that says it all. Yeah. I totally agree, hundred percent. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 just like you, yeah. As you say, you can do both. You don't need to yeah. choose. You can always like, and and relationships is so so important. Agree. It, it's like the the most important part of everything. Awesome. Well, I really appreciated hanging out with you. Um, where could sure. where could where would be a good place for people to find find your stuff? What where where do you point people? Because you, you got so much going on. <laughs> uh, well, let me try and keep it short. Sure. So if you like uh, indie music, uh, check out I Don't Speak French. Um, and through I Don't Speak French, you can you can find like a lot of uh, different projects we're doing. Um, for like, Louise should have been here as well. Uh, I'm just yeah. going to mention really quick. Let's do that. I work with Louise. Let's do that next time. Let's also, do it again. 
That sounds great. Yeah, she's a producer, she's yeah. a songwriter, she's yeah. super talented, and she has a lot of projects you can check out. Awesome. And um, then you have Indie Shake if you want to jump on the label, and you have Swedish Red Elephant if you want to party. Party! <laughs> for sure. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Be sure to share this, like it, subscribe, all that stuff. You know, hit it with the five stars so people can find podcasts like this and, and grow their communities and grow their good vibes. Um, I am Scoobert Dubert. You can find my stuff at scoobertdubert.pizza. That's my website. And we'll we'll have you back with Luis. We'll have a great time. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Matt. Thanks so much. I had a great time. Thanks so much. Uh-huh.